Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Jump into our letter C. We're going to have Christ-centered living, healing hands, unified mission, radically reaching lost. Here we go. We're going to wrap this up today. This is going to really bless you. This is near and dear to my heart. Letter C, a church that is charitable and generous. A church that is charitable and generous. Now, right away, your money, your, your mind goes to your money. See, my mind went to the money right there. Right away, your mind goes to your money. But this is way more, Pastor Michael, than just talking about uh, giving financially. This goes way deeper than, than, than your pocketbooks. This is about a lifestyle of being charitable and generous. Do you know in the old, some of the old translations, the way that they translated love was charity? Have you ever read in the King James where charity never fails? So you can substitute charity for love. So the, the church that God sees, the, the why of church, the church that God sees, and church is the people. So this means George is all of these. George is Christ-centered liver. George has healing hands. George is unified in mission. George is radically reaching the lost. George is charitable and generous. Same thing for Tito. If we're going to say the church is this, then we all must be this because we are the church. We are the body. The church is a people. And so you can't have half of the church flowing in this and the other half not. At that point, the church is not these things. So this is not just as a church body, we're going to do this. As a family, I'm going to do this. As a part of the church of Jesus Christ, I'm going to walk in these things. And if Carrie and Angela, and they are, continue to walk in these things, and the Lawsons are walking in these things, and the Shockies are walking in these things, when we come together, guess what? We're moving in the same direction. That's God's design. And it's for us to be a loving body of people. It's to be charitable. Now, let's look at number one. I want to give you some graces to generous giving. Six graces of generous giving. Now, number one, this is awesome. So dear to my heart. A giving life is a significant life. <coughs> a giving life is a significant life. How many of you want to be significant? Let me see your hand. How many of you want to make a difference? So proud of... Uh, Candy Lewis, some of you know her, some of you don't. Such a sweet lady here comes, and it's my mother's sister, and she comes when she's uh, with her. But she's, as long as I've known her, she's always wanted to give. She gave me a gift this morning. Wasn't that great? She said, I just want you to feel appreciated. And you know what I did? I appreciated that, Candy. Can we encourage Candy this morning? And if you want me to call your name from the podium, just bring me a gift. And I will gladly, gladly give you a, a shout out there. But a giving life is significant. You know how we find significance? By making other people feel more significant. Listen to how the world says. Luis, the world says, you push everybody down and, and you make everybody small and that's how you get your significance. The kingdom of God says you lift people up and that's how you get significance. I want to share a story with you that's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit touching and I'm not just trying to pull on your emotions but it's a true story I heard it from a, a true church a true pastor that I know and, and is honest and they shared this story on one of their teachings and, and it fits so appropriately so there's this lady in their church real lady real church it's not a parable this is a real true uh, event lady in their church a large church she was an usher on the usher team loved to be an usher they had dozens and dozens of ushers every weekend multiple services multiple campuses and she had really 
sewn into that ministry, really invested in the usher ministry, and out of the blue, she became ill and had to have both arms amputated. They didn't go into the illness uh, on, the, on the recording. So she lost both arms, and then due to some other major complications, she lost both legs. So she was a quadruple amputee. And the pastor, uh, one of the pastors on staff, was actually praying that God would just take her home. And he was sharing this, Pastor Michael, publicly. He got permission from her. And, and he, he began. He started out praying for God to heal her. And then one arm went, the other, and then the leg. And, and finally they were kind of praying. And he thought to himself, and this is his words, how, how depressing must she feel? How insignificant must she feel? That was his words. And he admitted that he felt that for her because he hurt so bad for her because there's not a lot that you can honestly do with no arms and no legs. And so when she came back to church and she came and, and met with the pastor staff and she said, you know what, pastor? She said, I cannot be an usher anymore. But she said, I've got a mouth and I've got a voice and God gave that to me. Could I be a greeter? Can I greet at the door? You see, significant is not about what you have or what you can do. Significance is about a giving life. That lady found significance in who she was in Jesus, not just what she could do or not being an usher. So I want to look at some scriptures this morning because a giving life is a significant life. When it's, you know what, you know what would be the best thing you could put on my tombstone? He was a giver. He loved his family, loved God, and he was a giver. I want to be known as a generous person. And it's not just money. It's just, it can be hugs, it can be an encouragement, it can be greeting at the door, it can be serving. It's not just giving money. So let's look at Romans chapter 12. Yes, money's a part of it. That's a part of being generous. Scripture says, connects your heart and your treasure. But there's so much more to just living a generous, significant life. Do we want our church to be significant? We must be generous. We must be charitable. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4. You've, you've read this, but we'll quote it again. We have many members in the body. The body is the church. We're the body of Christ. We're the church. We're the house of God. And all the members do not have the same function. Now look at verse 5. Scripture says in verse 5, so we are many, but yet one body and individual members of one another. Look at verse 6. We all have gifts that differ according to the grace. Have you noticed we have different giftings? Have you noticed Susan has different giftings than me? Don't call me and ask me what's wrong with your elbow. I don't know. <laughs> but Susan can tell you. So we all have different giftings. We all have different abilities. Notice this here. Each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. If it's prophecy, then prophesy in that proportion of your faith. Verse 7, if it's serving, then do it in your serving. I love this. We just talked about prophecy. How many think prophecy is a supernatural spiritual gift? How many think, man, prophecy, that's woo, prophecy, and that's awesome. Thank God for prophecy. But that's supernatural. That's over here for the pastors. That's over here for the anointed. He lumps in serving right with prophecy, meaning serving is also a supernatural gift. You have a gift to serve. You have a gift to help. You have a gift to give. You have a gift to be significant. Notice this here. If it's serving, then in your serving, or if it's one who teaches, let him teach. Verse 8, if you exhort, then do, do this in excellence in your exhortation. He who gives, give with lib liberty. He who leads, lead with diligence. He who shows mercy, do it cheerful. Look at your neighbor and say, I have something to give. I have something to contribute. A giving life is a significant life. My spiritual father in the faith, Jim Freese, he says, you make a, 
When you work, you make money, but when you give, you make a life. So we can have a significant life. You can do something to be a blessing to others. And it can be something very, very small. If you want to make your life count, if you want to add significance to your life, then be a, be a person of, of giving. Be a person who is generous. Look at Proverbs 12, uh, 11, 25. I love this. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, A generous person will prosper. And he who refreshes others, he who waters others, will himself be refreshed. Do you want to be encouraged? Do you want to be refreshed? Then get out of this mode where you just think about yourself and invest in other people. He who gives and refreshes others, he who waters others, will himself be watered and will himself be refreshed. Isn't that good news? So a giving life is a significant life. Everyone in the room can take something from that. Look at number two. Generosity is not something we do. It's who we are. My family doesn't do generosity. It's a part of our DNA. It's who we are. With my children, I'm training them now to be generous. It's not optional. There's a reason why we teach our kids to share. Tate right now is in this thing where everything is his. And since my lovely wife is standing, uh, I will be trying to give her a hug or just hold her hand or something like that. And he'll come up and go, he'll go, this is kind of, I got to fix it, but I'm working on it. He'll go, he'll go, my mama, my mama. <laughs> he thinks he's the only one that can have mama. But have you know, daddy needs a little mama too, amen? That's my wife. I love my sweet wife. And so Tate thinks everything is his right now. But we've got to teach our children to share. And it's not just so they have good manners. It's because we're teaching them that generosity is not something we do. It's who we are. You can't separate us from giving and charitableness and generosity. It's a way of life. It's not a law. It's not a have to. I don't have to be generous. I don't have to give stuff away. I don't have to help people. I don't have to be a blessing. I get to. I get to be a blessing, Pastor Rick. You know when I'm so blessed? When I'm blessing other people. It really is more blessed to give than receive. It's good to receive. But it's also more blessed to give. Do y'all believe that? I really believe it. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. Nobody else is excited about this as I am. We're not taking up another offering. But I, now let me just let me lay out this disclaimer here. Because we are going to travel through some things where we do hit some things uh, with money and finances and being generous in that element. Because it is an element of it. But listen, it's not because the church can't pay their bills. We are ahead by about $4,000 this quarter already than what we were last quarter. Come on, can we give God thanks? And we're ahead almost equally as much in our missions giving. Come on, can you give God thanks? And so it's not that we're struggling. It's not that we need more offerings. It's, it's, I want to just affirm in your heart that we really are blessed to be a blessing. And, and you know what I want to be said of our church? You know what I want people to know about our church, which is people, which is the Clarks, which is the Hubbards? You know what I want people to say about our church people? Man, that's a generous bunch of people over there. They love God and they love people. Now look at this here in 2 Corinthians 8.1. And, and I believe people say that. I believe we're well on our way to, to that being an earmark of what God's doing in our body. Now it says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that God in His kindness, what He's done through the churches in Macedonia. Now we're going to connect this later on in Philippians. I want you to see something here. The Bible says that they're being tested by many troubles. How many know typically when we are tested by many troubles, that's when we close the checkbook? Can we be honest? It's easy to give when things are going great. It's easy to give when all the bills are paid. I've had like three things in my house go wrong in the last few weeks. And 
it's just annoying. It's like, like an, as annoying as a dripping faucet. It's like this is money going out, and I could be doing other things with this. I changed a valve. I did a plumbing valve. You guys would be so happy. Tom, you would be so happy. I changed a pressure-reducing valve. Isn't that amazing? And I turned the water on. It didn't leak at all. I was like doing a little jig, you know, because I grew up with my dad. I love my dad, but his, his idea of a good plumbing job is a controllable drip. I mean, that's his, he thinks he's a success if he has a drip, you know, he's happy. And so, George, I looked, I didn't have a drip. It was awesome. And then I went and turned on the shower because I was nasty and I needed a shower. And I heard this terrible, terrible banging noise, like, like thought my entire house was about to fall down. After doing some research, the... The pressure-reducing valve that I bought was apparently faulty, and so I had to undo everything that I had just done with a different piece of equipment. I mean, that is really, really annoying. It took, it took five hours out of my life and money. It took money out of my life. But guess what? I'm not going to quit giving. I'm not going to quit investing. I'm not going to quit. Matter of fact, because of that, I'm probably going to find somebody to bless even more. Amen? So when things go bad, don't, don't, don't only... Give and be generous and encouraging when things are good. Even when th time's in trouble. Notice here the Bible says that they were tested by many troubles and they were very poor. I'll say this again with a kind heart. But in this room as a part of our church, if you live in this area, in this community, we may not have as much as other people, but there are none of us in this room that I would consider very poor. Because we all have water, we all have electricity. Luis can tell you there's a lot of folks in his country that don't have those luxuries. So they were very poor, it says, and, but yet they are filled with abundant joy. Do you know why they... Let me, let me help you here. Can I stir this pot for a minute? I, I feel this. Is it all right? I'm going to stir the pot anyway, in a good way. Because when you stir the pot, it keeps it from sticking. Amen? I don't want you to be stuck. That's good. Notice this here. They're filled with abundant joy. Your joy should never be connected with your prosperity. You, put, you should put your joy in the Lord. Because Jesus never changes. That's why Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again, rejoice. If I put my joy in my bank account, then man, my joy is going to go up and down, up and down, right? If I, put, if I put my joy in another person, you know, if, if my wife is behaving and doing what she's supposed to and, and, and all those things and I put my joy in that, then that's good. But what if she's not? What if I'm not behaving and she's got her joy in me? You go up and down. That's the Christian yo-yo. Don't put your joy in your bank account. Don't even put your joy in your job. Listen, friends, let me help you here. You are not your job. You are not your job. If that job closes tomorrow, God can provide another one. I tell folks, I work for this and such and such company. I got a guy that I work for who signs my paychecks, but you know what? God is my provider. And if that company closes tomorrow, guess what? God who provides, he can provide another source of income for me. That job is not my provision. God is my provision. So hope this is helping you here. Hope this is helping you. So don't put your joy in your bank account. Don't put your joy in your uh, financial success or non-existence of financial success. But it says they overflowed in rich generosity. How can poor people overflow in rich generosity? Think about it. They were very poor. They were troubled, but they overflowed in rich generosity. They were filled with abundant joy. Notice this here in verse 3. I can testify they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did of their, of their own free will. Now I want you to see this here because we're talking about generosity is something we do. It's not something we do. It's who we are. Generosity is not something we do. It is who we are. Notice this here. They begged us in verse 4 again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift 
to the believers in Jerusalem. Meaning they took up the offering, but yet next week they're like, hey, Pastor Paul, can we get some more? Well, we've already collected it next week. Hey, Pastor Paul, can we get some more? George, I may be wrong. Help me here. You're an usher, but I don't think we've had people chasing you down in the parking lot because they want to give more. I mean, I don't think we've experienced that yet. Even though they were poor, they were in trouble, they begged again and again because generosity is not something we do. It's who we are. Notice here in verse 5, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord that's what we're after. I'm not after your pocketbook or your giving. I'm after your heart, and so is God. And it says, look here in verse 5, Jared. It says, they did even more than we'd hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. Verse 6, so we've urged Titus, who encouraged you in giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Verse 7, I'm going here. i got to show you this. Verse 7, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers... You excel in your knowledge. You excel in your enthusiasm. You excel in your love from us. I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. Meaning, what you see on the outside is good. Thank God for gifted speakers. Thank God for uh, serving. Thank God for love. Thank God for knowledge. Thank God for faith. Thank God for enthusiasm. But do not forget that the foundation is Love. The foundation is being charitable. The foundation is excelling in the gracious act of giving. Now look at verse 8. This is what I wanted you to see, really. I read all those verses to get to this verse. I'm not commanding you to do this. Meaning, I'm not putting a heavy on you saying, you must do this, you must be generous, you must give. He says, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Paul said, I'm testing to see how genuine your love is for God because when you are a Christ follower, what did Jesus do? Jesus gave. What did God do? God gave. So if I'm a Christ follower, I'm going to live a generous, significant life. Generosity is not something we do. It is who we are. Can I have a big amen? Amen. All right. There we go. God's calling for confirmation there. All right. Verse uh, number uh, three. Check this out. Number three. We've only got six, so we're going to make it by two. The flow of finances should come from the heart. And again, these are very quick. We won't take much time on this. But, but when we do get into talking about generosity and we do attach money to it, the flow of finances should come from the heart. You all know these verses, but I want you to, to see this. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6. God does use finances to, to fund His church, to fund His ministries, to fund His heart. But we must do it in the right heart and attitude. Look at verse 6. Now I say this in 2 Corinthians 9. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And that's not in just giving, but that's in our sowing love, our sowing mercy. That's in our sowing, our serving and investing in people. Each one must do as he's purposed in his heart. Look at verse 7. Each one must do as he's purposed in his heart. Not grudging, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice this here in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. How many would love for God to make all grace abound to you? How many of you could use a little grace in your parenting? Anybody else got their hand up? How many could use a little grace with your spouse? Men, keep your hands down. <laughs> How many of you could use a little grace in your, in your employment with your employer? How many of you could use a little grace in your education process? Anybody out there could use a little grace? How many, how many want grace? It says God is able to make all grace. Now, I'm going to connect something here. Watch I'm going to show you something you've probably never seen before. 
Until studying this, Pastor Michael, I hadn't connected these dots. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you'll always have all sufficiency in everything. Are we reading the same Bible? Is this the same Bible that God's ultimate plan for His followers is that we would have all sufficiency in everything? Now, that's not talking about that you'll have every Lamborghini that you want and so forth. I mean, it's, it's actually talking about that you, we're going to look at it later, but you'll actually have seed to give. Meaning when God puts in your heart to bless someone and be generous, the provision will be there. The provision will be there. Notice this here. Go back if you can, Jared, to verse 7. I want to tie this together. I want to show you this here. Stay with me now. Ready? God loves a cheerful giver. I don't give out of compulsion. I don't give grudgingly. I, mean, I don't give with buyer's remorse. Oh, man, I put 100 in. It should have been a 50. Oh, man, it was 200. I could have used it. Ah, should have gave 100, you know. We're not giving. Or, or if you don't give, God's going to make your kids sick. Listen, none of that stuff. It's garbage. That's garbage, garbage, garbage. We give because our heart is overflowing to the Lord. Notice this here. God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Now, look at verse, uh, the next one, Jared. Look at verse 8. Watch this now. And God is able. Look at this PowerPoint for life. God is able, but His ability to bless us is directly tied to our attitude towards generosity and giving. God is able to make all grace abound. God is able to bless us, but it has to do, everything has to do with my attitude towards generosity and giving. Remember, generosity is not something we do. It's who we are. The flow of finances always starts from the heart. Um, another church that I follow on a podcast shared this illustration. It was very t- touching and warming and inspiring to me, and I thought, we could do that. That's something we could do. The pastor saw the new folks in the back, and he said, uh, what brought you guys here? You know, how did you, how did you find us? And they said, well, I want to tell you that one of your people, and he loved that. He said, one of your people uh, was behind me in the line at such and such grocery store, and they bought my groceries and gave me one of your little church cards, and that has never happened to us before, and we thought, we've got to go see what is going on at that church. A small, insignificant thing, as like buying groceries, brought in a family to a church. Why is that? Because finances flow from the heart because we care about people because we love people. It's all about living generous. All right, now let's look at number four. Not only are finances going to flow from our heart, but number four, the fourth grace in generous giving is this. God sees the sacrifice and obedience, not the size. Let me help you here. If you read the Bible and you're honest about it, it is totally about proportionate giving. If you're honest, God doesn't expect someone on this situation, this economic situation, maybe this level, to be able to give what someone else can give. If you're honest with the Bible, it is very geared towards proportionate giving. And I want you to see this here. God does not see the size of the gift. If, if I give $100, that $100 is not any more impressive to the Lord than the lady who gave $20. And matter of fact, if the $100 for me wasn't really an obedience or like a sacrifice. It's just, you know what? People are looking and I want to make sure they see me put something in or, you know what? I've been guilty of this. Can we be honest here? I've been guilty of going to meetings and not feeling a bit led and just putting money in just because I wanted to put money in. Now, I'm not saying it was wrong. It was good causes. I wouldn't do that to a bad cause. 
But I, I would go and be like, yeah, you know, but I had no more divine inspiration on that than, than that chair. I just, you know, hey, we're here. We got an opportunity. We'll put something in. Do I believe that's a seed and God can use that? Absolutely. But what I'm talking about here is when God prompts you in any area to sacrifice, God doesn't see the amount. Get the amount out of your head. The amount doesn't matter. The obedience matters. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the obedience, Pastor Michael. And honestly, frankly, it's the size of the sacrifice if we really want to get technically down into the, where the rubber meets the road. So look at Luke 21. We're going to talk about the widow's mite. Who would have thought that a few insignificant loaves of bread and a few handfuls of fish would be welcomed by Jesus to feed thousands? Jesus takes the small and he can make it much, just like he did the widow's mite. You know this passage. So he looked up and saw the rich putting in their gifts into the treasury. They were blowing the trumpets. Can I have everybody's attention, please? I have cashed out my 401k, and I have a large check here. And what would happen is they would have coins. It was a coin society, and, they would, and the coins would literally echo throughout all the temporal. And they would stand there with a huge thing of coins, and they would just put them in and put them in. And you'd hear the tum, 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 tum. Wow, look at that gift. Look at such a large gift. Jesus looked up and saw all the rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. Now, notice he, he didn't tell them to stop. I mean, amen. <laughs> you'll, you'll take what you can get when you're in ministry. The tr God can use the, the money of the unrighteous for the righteous. Amen. But notice this here in verse 2. I want you to see this. And he saw a poor widow putting in two, two copper coins. So get the image. They're lined up with all these boxes. And it's like you take your turn. It's like, all right, may the next giver come forward. You think you, it's embarrassing when we pass plates. May the next giver come forward. And they would come up and have all these, uh, these cones where they would put all the coins. And the, the rich people would go down all the line. Doom, 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 clang, 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 clang. And everybody's, whoa, look at them giving. And then here comes this poor widow in front of everybody. And she goes, dunk, dunk. Everybody else says, clang, 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 clang. And she's dunk, dunk. And, and look what happens. There's, there's more to this than we can get into. Look at verse 3. Jesus told his disciples, this poor widow put in more than all of them. Another translation says all combined. Then all, well, how? What, what? Because kingdom math is not worldly math. Kingdom math is not worldly math. Look what, look what he said in verse 4. Kingdom math is not worldly math. Notice this here. For out of their surplus they gave unto the offering. I mean, they gave and it didn't even affect them. They were just giving. They were not really being generous. You know you can give without being generous? They were just giving. But it says, she out of her poverty. Remember the churches in Macedonia? She out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. Now, I'm not recommending you do that, all right? Please don't put all of your money that you have to live on next week in the offering plate unless God is really, really speaking to you. Because what's going to happen, you're going to call me on Monday and be like, hey, Pastor, can you help us with some groceries? <laughs> sure, we will gladly help you, but we're not telling you to do that at all. But what I want you to see is it's not the size of the gift, it's the size of the obedience, it's the size of the sacrifice. Look at 1 Corinthians 13.3. We give because we love people. We give our time. We give our talent. We give our treasure. We give our life. We give our resources. We give of ourselves because God gave. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 declares, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor. How many think that would be great? How many think that would be admirable? To give all of your possessions to feed the poor. How many think that would be a pretty good thing to do? 
How many of Bill Gates got on the TV and said, I'm going to give all my money to, to eliminate world hunger from the face of the earth? How many of you think that's a pretty cool thing, right? Not in the eyes of God if the heart's not right. Not in the eyes of God if the motive is not right. It says, in, if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. So when God sees his generous church and we're functioning out of charity, out of love, then we can ex expect profit in the spirit realm. We can expect profit in the kingdom of God. Number five, not only are we going to have a significant giving life, generosity is not something we do, it's who we are. Our finances are going to flow from our heart. And God sees the sacrifice and the obedience, not just the size. This is good. You should be happy. This is good. This should encourage you today. But number five, generosity gets the attention off me and on to others. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. If you are so focused on yourself, you have no focus left for other people. God really does want to deliver you from you. God really wants you off your mind so you can put others. Look at Proverbs 22, 9. When I give and when I invest, when I'm generous, it gets my mind off me and my problems and my troubles. You know, I think the church in, uh, in Macedonia gave so much out of their troubles and out of their need because they found significance in giving. Because when they were giving to meet the needs of the people in Jerusalem, they were forgetting how bad they had it. And God could work with them. God can move in them. It says, he who has a bountiful eye, he who has a generous eye. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. I am always looking for ways to be generous. I'm always got my, I've got my eye out for a way to bless somebody. And it doesn't have to be money. You could mow someone's yard. And if you really want to be generous and really want to mow someone's yard, give me a call and I can hook you up with at 18 so-and-so, so-and-so road. You'll see my car parked in the driveway. Amen. It's not just money. We can be a blessing. Notice this. He who has a bountiful eye, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Focus attention each day on how you can be a blessing. Every single day, wake up and ask yourself, how can I be a blessing today? Number six, last one, generosity advances God's mission. Remember the churches in Macedonia? Do you remember those folks who gave out of their trouble? Remember the churches in Macedonia who gave when they were poor? Were you all here? Do you all remember that? Okay, all right, let me see some heads. We just talked about it. Now look at Philippians 4. This is, this is life-changing. Generosity advances God's mission. Notice this here. You yourselves know Philippians. Philippi is the capital of Macedonia. So remember the Macedonians who gave out of their poverty. Remember the Macedonians who had trouble. That's the Philippian church. When he's writing to Philippians, he's writing to the churches in Macedonia. Notice this here, that you, even at the very first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Paul said, I left and I had no support. The only support that I had was coming from you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Look in verse 17. 
I'm not seeking just the gift, but I'm seeking your profit, which will increase to your account. Paul said, I'm not just wanting a selfish gift. I want you to be generous for what it does in your heart. I want you to be generous for what God can do in your life. And I've received everything that I've need. I have abundance. I'm ample supplied. I've received the gift that you sent. Now, verse 19. Everybody loves this verse. Everybody quotes this verse. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Show of hands, how many of you have ever quoted that verse? God will supply all of my needs. Just that many of you, you should quote the Bible more. How many of you have ever quoted, my God will supply? It's, this is not a condemning thing. This is a good thing. This is a good verse to quote, amen? What's context here, ladies and gentlemen? They were generous. They were charitable, generous. They gave what no one else did. And that allowed God to do something real and radical in their life. As a part of the Assemblies of God right now, that network uh, that I told you about in the Assemblies of God, actually old stats from a few years ago, every 16 seconds someone's born again. There's a new church planted every 42 minutes. There's one new minister enlisted every 45 minutes. And again, those are some old stats. It's much quicker now. But that's because people around the world are generous in giving and investing in God's kingdom. Last one, the H. Has this been good, man? I hope this has helped you. It's helped carry. Amen. It was worth look at uh, Look at the H, Jared. In the church. Christ-centered, healing hands, unified mission, radically reaching the lost, charitable and generous, heavenly focused. Here's one I'll close with. Never let our focus be broken. Never let us get off the mark. Never let us miss what God wants to do. It's all about eternity. It's all about reaching people and keeping people. I used to say it's all about reaching people, but God's changing me. It's about reaching and keeping. A lot of people are reaching people, but they're not keeping them. We want to keep people in God's kingdom. We want to keep them on the path of discipleship. We want to keep them in fellowship with God. We want to reach and keep. Last scripture, Colossians 3. Therefore, since you've been raised with Christ to new life, you've shared in his resurrection from the dead. Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above. Heavenly minded. The church God sees and the church God wants is heavenly minded. Set your mind, set your affections, keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not just on the things that are on the earth, which have temporary value. Verse 3, for you've died to this world, and your new real life is hidden in Christ our God. We can leverage our abilities, we can leverage our resources, we can leverage our finances in such a way to populate heaven and plunder hell. The main thing is that we keep a heavenly focus and we be the bride of Christ that God would have us to be. We be the church that he would have us to be. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this reaffirmation that you have a hope for your local church. And thank you for this reaffirmation that you believe in the local church. It is the hope of the world. God, I want to say I'm honored to be a part of this local church. God, I want to say I'm honored to have a part in your kingdom. And we thank you for that opportunity in Jesus' name. Would you all stand? Just keep your eyes closed for just a minute if you can. I want to just ask you to stand for just a minute. Let's just open our hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit would, would want to say some things to us this morning. 
I understand what it's like to come in the door with heaviness. I understand what it's like to come in the door with burdens. I understand what it's like to come in the door with fear and worry. And let me just encourage you, leave those here this morning at the foot of the cross. I believe that if you have things on your mind, if you have weights on your mind, I believe the Lord can lift those from you this morning. Will you take just a moment in your own heart, just lift up a praise to the Lord. Maybe you want to just pray for a moment. Maybe you want to just worship. We just lift our hands to the Lord. We welcome your presence today, Father. I believe you're speaking to your people. God, I believe that you are moving in and out of every aisle. What would you say to us this morning? What would you say to us this morning? If you're in this room today and you have a real heaviness, you just you, you can't shake it. it. It seems like you're under a dark cloud. And you just, you just want your joy back. The, uh, the thing that's coming into my mind is the joy of your salvation. You, you feel a heaviness. You feel a weight. And you just can't shake it. You don't know if you're just physically tired. You don't know if, you're just, if you need a break or need a vacation. Let me tell you, it may be something greater than that. It may actually be a spiritual attack. And, and there's no shame in that. Everybody goes through that. Uh, you just feel like you can't, you can't, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you can't get there. Every, you just stay in darkness, stay under the cloud. And you want to be free. You want to have. You want to be. You want to be free like a helium balloon. You want to be able to just excel and be free in the kingdom of God. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand and say, "That's me. I want to be free. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm under a dark cloud of, of oppression or depression, and I just can't shake it. I want to get my joy back." Anybody in the house this morning that identifies with that? Yep. Amen. One brave lady says yes. Anybody else? Who else? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning because you love us. And I pray now that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Lord, we lift up this dear sister and, and also a brother in the house, Lord, I believe that didn't raise his hand. Lord, I pray for them now that, that the joy of their salvation will be made real. We speak against this demonic attack and we arrest it. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. We speak freedom. Father, I thank you that the joy of the Lord will be their strength. Lord, I thank you that their light will break forth as the dawn. And I speak life into the spirit. I speak life into their situation. And I thank you, Lord, as they begin to do the next right thing. God, as they begin to take the next right steps, that they will get, get a wind beneath their wings. And that the, the power and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit will just blow on them and they will, they will feel things will become easier. Things will not be as hard. Things will not be as burdensome. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, we receive it. Thank you for fresh new life in Jesus' name.